welcome to C3 Wellington and Hutt City. Need something fresh, real and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get podcast notifications, updates on events, collective groups and a whole lot more. We're so glad you're joining us for a powerful and thought-provoking message from one of our pastors. We would love to hear how God has touched you in your life. Get in touch through our website, c3churchwellington.nz. So, sit back and enjoy this message. Again, just a really brief uh, uh, recap on this message series, and that is this, that uh, we want... uh, I'll say that again. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 9 and 10, he says, I pray this, that you can determine what really matters. And as a church, I think it's really important that we understand what really matters to Jesus, what really matters for His church. He, he, had a, he had a plan in mind. Jesus is a builder and He said He will build His church. You don't go starting to build a, a house without blueprints. Jesus had some blueprints. Am I right, Maura? He had blueprints. He had a plan. He had a design. And He asked us to steward that and to tap into the heart of God for that and to be faithful to build with Him. And so here's a plan. He's, and, and I love the Apostle Paul, who was a, a, who was a church planter and missionary himself. He says, I pray that you determine what really matters. And uh, so us as a church, as we start this new season, because who knows we're stepping into a new season, not just a new building, but a new season as a church. And uh, I want to encourage and exhort us today as we look to see what really matters in this series. And the big idea of it is this, that why does the church exist? That's the question we're asking. And what is her purpose? And Jesus, as we know, gave three commands. The great commandment, love your God with all your heart, mind and soul and love your neighbour as yourself. And He went on in John 13 to His disciples. He he said, a new commandment, a new commandment I give you to love one another. Talking about love within the family of God, love within the brothers and sisters of Christ, that we ought to love one another. He actually says that the way that we love one another is, is going to display Jesus to the world. It's quite a powerful thing, right? The way that, the way that Joe loves Caleb is going to show Jesus to the world, you know? And, uh, I think, and so I think that's why there's a war against the community. That's why offence happens so easily in church. I think if, if Jesus has got a plan for something, I think the enemy's got a plan too, right? So he, 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 he works on offence. He works on uh, the messiness of people, the brokenness of people, and the fact that we all make mistakes, every single one of us. And those, but when you get close in a relationship and community, it's easier to get offended. It's easier to get hurt because you're in relationship. It matters. It's a bit deeper than a tennis club, isn't it? You know? I don't know many people that get offended and I'm sure it does happen, but you know, they're leaving like, I can't believe that. And I'm leaving this tennis club to find another tennis club. It doesn't really happen, but it does in church. Yeah, uh, it's because we ought to be close and the devil wants to bust that up. And so here's what happens. We get that offence, we get that hurt, we get that wound. I think most people that have been travelling within a church community or for, for any amount of time has probably got some wounds, <laughs> some hurts. It's the same with any relationship, yeah? And... Uh, and I just want to say that God, God wants to heal that because I think the enemy likes to get you to just come and just hang around the fringes and just hang around the fringes, but don't really push into the heart of the home. Don't really expose yourself. Don't really become vulnerable to other people. Don't really let people in because you don't want to get hurt again. And uh, we associate the wound to, to sometimes to God, which is really a travesty when people don't just leave the church, but they leave God because of what we, you know the wounds that can happen within a church family. And so... I just want to say to you today that God's in the business of healing. God's in the business of restoring. God's in the business of reconciling and healing you and bringing you into a church family because you matter and uh, you have a part to play. 
And that's where we're going to be hanging out today. But I'll carry on. The Great Commission was the other commandment. Make disciples and teach them. He says this in Matthew 28 before he ascends to heaven. And that's a pretty uh, amazing thing, the last words out of his mouth, right? And last week we talked about being a church that goes and being, being evangelistic, you know. And uh, so here are the five purposes. Evangelism, worship, fellowship, service, and discipleship. The goal for every person is to move them through the stages of spiritual growth. A healthy church moves people into a deeper relationship with Jesus. And our goal here in C3 Church Wellington is that we would live, love, and lead like Jesus. That we would live, love, and lead like Jesus. And so that brings us to message number three in the series entitled Tribe. Tribe. And we're tackling... Where uh, the two purposes of the church being fellowship and service in this message. John 13, 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. We have five children. We have our email handle for the longest time has been the Hinton Tribe at gmail.com. The Hinton Tribe. We refer to our family as a tribe, mainly because it's numerous. <laughs> it's like, man, that's a tribe of kids. Yes, it is a tribe of kids. But also because I love, the, uh, I love what the word tribe represents. You know, when you live in a tribe, you live in a community, you're closely knit. You're, in, you're, you're interwoven. You don't just live isolated within a tribe. When you're in a tribe, you have a sense of community and a sense of we're in this together, equal ownership of this community. And uh, this is the actual definition of a tribe, a group of people who live together, sharing the same language and culture. In our family, we have some language. We have some culture. I'm sure in your family growing up, you did too. Some of that stuff is awesome. Some of it, not so much. One of the cultures of my family growing up was that on Sundays, I'm a product of 80s Christianity, a lot of legalism, a lot of Legalism. <laughs> and one of the things was, I wasn't allowed to play on a Sunday. Sundays was the Lord's Day. So we went to church three times. And in between the third and the second and the third one, there were my friends were out playing and I wasn't allowed to play with them because it was the Sabbath. My dad would watch football. I love you, dad, but he'd watch football on the TV and I'd be in my room bored as... Board and, and, and I'm like, what the heck is this rule? But this was, that was the culture of my family. I didn't like that. But it was part of why it was in our tribe. But you know, another thing that was in our tribe was this, that every summer holidays, we, would, we had a pop-up, one of those pop-up tents, uh, pop-up caravans, you know, the ones that are flat, but then they pop up and become a caravan. We had one of those bad boys, yeah? And so we would go on these awesome family holidays. I mean, my dad did holidays so well. So we would like, like we did these, two or three of them in America, it was crazy. We'd go for like six weeks, eight weeks on these and we'd just like keep going. We, I've been to 41 out of the 50 states of America because we did some crazy summer holidays. I mean, I've got some stories. I mean, I've been to the Grand Canyon. I've been to Niagara Falls, man. I've seen this stuff. We've been to Las Vegas. We've done all sorts of crazy cool things. And because my, my dad's into fun and adventure and playing these crazy holidays, I love that culture. But every family, every tribe has a language and a culture. <laughs> My dad is a stickler for time. 
And every, any time he, it's time to go, he would jump in the car and he would say, come on, we're not here. We're not here. That was my, that's his language. Mum was always the last one in the car. And dad's like, come on, we're not here. Do you guys have language in your family? I'm sure you, I'm sure you do. We want this church to be a tribe built around one language and one culture. But here's the problem that we face ourselves in this world today. And it's, it's, it's highlighted in Proverbs 18 verse 1. It says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. I, just, I want to tell you that isolation is the devil's plan. Connection is God's plan. You're made for connection. I just want to tell you the cross is God's declaration of our forgiveness and acceptance. We have been adopted into His family, into His tribe. We're not perfect, but we're perfectly loved. The church is the display of this love to each other. People are drawn to Jesus as we love one another. And you can't love from a distance. I love uh, Erwin McManus uh, from Mosaic uh, Church in LA and He's a fantastic author. I'd encourage you to grab his books and read them. He said this around church planting and it's the one thing that stuck with me through the journey. I, I, I heard this before we moved down here and I, I wrote it into my journal and I, I, I referenced it regularly. This is a church planting, Irwin says, can't be about systems and strategies and structures and methodology. That can't be the essence of it. It has to be about standing at the intersection of what God is doing in humanity and just creating a magnetic, sticky place where people who are searching for God find God in and through you. And I know it's not a great methodology, but it's the only one I'm going to advocate because I find a lot of church planters who are more like construction workers, like they want a building, they want to build a building, they want the formula, they want the math, but they don't really have the essence. You can build a building, but without the essence, it's going to be hollow and empty, he says. Come on, relationship requires risk and vulnerability. You're going to know me, strengths and weaknesses. I need you, you need me. They could hurt me or they could be there for me when you enter in a relationship like that. It costs you something to be part of a tribe. It takes intentionality, risk and commitment, but it's so worth it. It's so important that we find our people. Statistics, which can prove anything. Church statistics is that people will come to a church and they might like the atmosphere, like the style, like the worship, like the preaching and think this place is going to be home for me. But if they don't find their people, if they don't find meaningful relationship within the first three or four weeks, they don't stick. It doesn't matter what we do or all of this. It doesn't matter if they don't find relationship and connection and someone that they can, that's like, yes, that's, yes, I connect with you. That one-on-one connection the chances are it won't, it won't stick. We're not, we're not driven by all of this stuff. It's, 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 it might draw us, but it won't hold us. 
I know that you didn't come here today because we've got lovely lights. You might have walked in here the first time and gone, that's cool. That's a bit different. Where's the steeple? Where's the stained glass windows? Where's the pews? This is a bit different. And it got you going, huh? Which is great. I think we should be a church to get people's head tilting to the side. If you want to make a difference, you've got to be different. Not different for different sake, but different because we're all unique. And we've got to be true to who we are. But it's not going to hold anybody because the difference becomes common. It becomes familiar. And we want relationship. We all desire to belong. That's the heart of every person is that we would belong. Community is the one thing that you can't get through reading your Bible. Community, you can't get through listening to teaching. You can't get it through a screen. You must commit to being known. You must commit to taking a step in a relationship. The question is, we come to church, but have we become the church? We come to church, but have we become the church? We carry a message, but until you find your people, you can't be that message, you know? Like it's so incredible how God in relationship starts to pull out of you something He placed in you. It's incredible how that works. Proverbs says it like this, that iron sharpens iron and one man or woman sharpens another. Who would have known? (laughs) What could have come from a lump of metal? I think about the statue of David. It's a beautiful piece of art. It's, It's a priceless piece of art. But it was just a lump of marble that no one wanted. That, if I remember from the story rightly, was in this, in, 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 sitting in a place in the town square and they wanted rid of it. And Michelangelo said, I will take that. And he saw the beauty within. And he went about chiseling and, and sculpting and, 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 and chipping away and bit by bit and polishing and honing to reveal the beauty that was within this bit of marble that no one else wanted. That's the relationship we have with church. We can chip, hone and sharpen one another if we're close enough and in relationship. Can you hear, can you hear a penny drop in here? Look, the iron didn't start out as a sword, did it? What is the call on your life? What is the purpose on your life? What has God spoken over you, planted in you? Maybe, just maybe it requires others to come alongside and sharpen, hone and pull it out and draw it out of you. You've got to find your people. Biblical community just sharpen you. This is the point. We grow in humility through service. It increases it increased effectiveness in discovering our purpose. It happens in a biblical community. When you find your tribe, it helps you discover your purpose. Your purpose is attached to others and for others, but it's only effective at close range. People around you will identify the gifts and call them out of you. They will do that for you. Let's talk about foot washing. John 13, 12 to 15, Jesus washing His disciples' feet and right before He goes to the cross and he gets up and we pick it up in the story. Uh, we pick the story up in verse 12. It says, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. It's pretty strong language. You ought to, you should do. Foot washing represents closeness, vulnerability. If I brought a bucket of water out here and started looking and surveying the room, how many people get real nervous? <laughs> Whose feet am I going to wash? You know, It requires humility to drop low and wash someone else's, someone else's feet requires humility. It requires relationship. Jesus had spent three years with these guys. He didn't go, hi, my name's Jesus. What's your name? Peter, cool. Let me wash your feet. <laughs> it's like, there was some relationship there. There's a walking together. And it requires connectedness. Otherwise, it's just really, really weird. <laughs> but let's, let's not mince words. We are called to wash one another's feet. We are called to serve one another. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. We're never more like Jesus than when we're giving and serving. And we had a statement in this church, which we've, we had two very powerful statements. One was, come as you are. I think it's incredibly important that people understand that church is not a place for people that have got it all together. That this isn't a place where we come to polish our crowns. But we come here with wherever we're at, understanding that He, the crowned one, loves us and chose us, accepts us and wants relationship with us. And if He wants that with me and I know myself, and he says he wants it with you, then you're valuable and worthy. And I want to see you through the eyes of Jesus and love you too. We're not the Holy Spirit for one another. We're not here to change one another. We're here to love one another. The other phrase or statement was this connection, not perfection. Because those things are at war with one another. When you think you've got to be someone to fit in, you will miss out on connection because we want to connect to you who you are, how God wired you. Not some fake version of you that you think you ought to be so that people would like you. You. Other language that we use is that Sunday is the foyer of the home and we want you to come to the dining table because our deepest need is connection. You can't be truly loved unless you're truly known. Now, Jesus fully knows you and fully loves you. That's the truth. But in a community where we're to exemplify and be the love of Jesus for one another, how can we fully love if we don't fully know? Now, it's a trajectory of that. Like, I, I, I don't know if you guys remember this, that homework I gave um, I can't remember what series it was in. Relationship goals. There we go. And it was the diagram of the different circles of people that are in your world. And 
as it got closer to the middle, the people that are really close and you've walked through some things and you just know that like, if something, if, 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 if your world came crumbling down tomorrow, who are you ringing? So just defining the levels of relationship. Now, I'm not saying that we, op- we give all of ourselves, like Bex has got a place in my, in my heart that no one else is gonna hold. Bex is in the centre of my circle and you ain't, you ain't getting in there, <laughs> you know, like, you know. Uh, so I'm not, I'm, not pre- I'm, not preaching, I'm not preaching that. But I'm saying like, we've got to make an effort to, to, to be vulnerable and to be seen. And we know when we are and we know when we're not. We know when we come into this place and actually go, you know what, I'm going to try and step into relationship. And we know when we don't. And we know when we stay on the surface and, and ask the surface questions. We know that we can be in a church of 30 or 40 people and still not know someone else's name. Now we're going to get to a stage where we don't. And that's going to be a bit of a, a, a jolt for us. But right now it's like, man, there's, there's, there's not that many of us. We can actually start, we can actually build relationship, you know. I, and I, I feel like this is something that, uh, A, number one, it's on your leader's life. We, 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 we want to be vulnerable and real. We didn't get groomed for this. We got plucked by God. <laughs> We didn't go through the Bible college and like, we're going to step you along and this is in. We just were like serving faithfully in the church and then God goes, bam, I'm sending you to Wellington. Like, whoa, crazy. So we don't, we don't have the language to be smooth. We just want to be who we are. God called us to this. So okay, I think, well, God knows us. Well, let's just be real. Let's just be who we are, you know? Our greatest need requires great courage. Your need to be seen, your need to be known, your need to belong requires you to allow your feet to be washed (laughs) and to wash others' feet. It's close, it's messy, it's vulnerable, it's humbling, and it's just the example that Jesus gave us and how we ought to live. I don't know I mean, wouldn't that be revolutionary for a church? I don't know, like, what do we know about church life? Surely it's more than the gathering, this gathering. Surely it's more than this gathering. We're not just a Sunday family. We're a family family. We're a tribe. In the prototype archetype church, the start of the church in Acts 2, we hear some common language running through once the church blew up and Peter preaches the, the, the gospel message, 3,000 men, who knows how many in total get baptised into the church and now all of a sudden they've got a church. In fact, it wasn't even called the church, it was called the way. We'll get to that. But just listen to the language. I'm just going to give you some points here through the book of Acts, uh, through Acts chapter 2. Number one, Acts 2 verses 1. They were all together in one place. Acts 2 verse 5, and at the sound of the multitude came together. Acts 2 verse 14, and Peter standing with the 11. And of course, after that, we see 3,000 souls were added that day in Acts 2 41. And then 
We have the, the, the birth of the church, Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the word to fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer, Acts 2 verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. I love that, had all things in common. A tribe shares language and shares culture. There's a commonality in a tribe. They had all things in common. Acts 2 verse 46, and day by day, they attended the temple and breaking bread. Oh, so they weren't just gathering once a week? Day by day. Man, we've got the ability to stay connected, don't we? First of all, we have Slack for our church communications. Sometimes it feels like tumbleweeds roll through that thing. Like, I, I don't know if these people are private messaging or what, but like, use it. We're connected. We're connected technologically. And, and, and you've got the ability to text and message. It's incredible. We can actually say hello to people and encourage them whenever we want. We don't have to see them. We can say, hey, Elise, hope your week's going awesome. So good to see you in church on Sunday. Wouldn't that be crazy? Why don't we all blow up Elise's phone <laughs> this week? Let's pick on Elise this week. Wouldn't that be awesome? That at least feels like she's a part of a tribe that matters, that care about her. Not because the pastor said it. Like, you know, like we can, let's get this organically in us. That, we actually, that we're not just so honestly self-involved in our own worlds. Because that's what happens. That's what happens in our world. This morning I was thinking, man, I should have texted Jamie and Esther and said, how was day one? So awesome that you're married. But I wasn't. I was stacking my car and driving here and back. But I should have done. It's like, man, I still got time. It's interesting that they were day by day connected. Because listen to the next one, the next verse in Acts forty-seven, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. Do you see a connection here? Jesus, Jesus ain't no fool. He ain't a liar. The way that they loved one another and had all things in common and fellowshiped and broke bread and were connected day by day. All of a sudden this day by day language actually meant that God was adding to the church day by day. Jesus said the way that you love one another is how people are gonna know me. Oh, they were coming to know Him. It's crazy. It's so simple. So simple. Did you not? Did you? Did you? Did you realize? Because what happens when Elise walks in? <laughs> what happens when Elise walks into church next Sunday, and she got that text message from you and that encouragement from you? The first thing she's going to say to you is, "Thank you so much for that." All of a sudden, you got a relationship, and it's bus blossoming. Or guess what could also happen? You can encourage her, and then all of a sudden her day lifts and she gets in another conversation right here and she encourages them. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, it's paying forward. And now this person's like, what's on that girl's life? She's, she's really awesome, she's really encouraging. Let's have a conversation. Let me tell you my story. Oh, wow, it's amazing. Crazy, eh? Isn't that crazy? We don't understand the ripple effect. We don't get it, do we? The ripple effect of simple encouragement and love and just thinking about other people in your community. Because we've all got 
It's, an, it's hard enough, eh, life. Like, it, it wants to kick the guts out of you every single day, right? Like, there's enough trial and struggle and hardship. And even if it's only 10% of your life, it shouts louder than 90%. That's awesome, doesn't it? Like, you can have an amazing week going on, but it just takes one thing, and that just dominates the landscape of your life. So imagine that bit of encouragement at the right time, just on the unction of the Holy Spirit, because yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a heart of heaven behind this. There's a Spirit of God behind this that's wanting to drive the kingdom and the purpose of God and build this church. People. No, that was. Sp- sprinkling. We are church 24-7. We gather, we scatter, but we're always the church. And this is a really powerful statement. You can be committed to church and not committed to Jesus. But you cannot be committed to Jesus and not committed to His church. How can you not love what He loves? Bex got into running because I was into running. And now she's going to get me back into running. <laughs> Full circle. Fellowship equals friendship plus partnership. It's relationship with purpose. It's connection on mission. It's togetherness. We're going somewhere. We're doing something. We're not just sitting around the fire singing Kumbaya. We've got a plan, a mission. We're going somewhere. But we're doing it together. Hebrews 10, 25. And Troy, you can come and join me. Hebrews 10, 22 to 25 says this, and it's behind me and let's read along. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for He who promised is faithful. And let us, Consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do you hear the language here? Let us, let us, let us. Let us draw near. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Let us not neglect fellowship. Let's encourage one another. Let's be a tribe. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So what's your next step? It's not complex. It's simple. Simple. Can I give you some options? 
commit to Sundays. Our heart for Sundays is that we would come together as a church. We'd worship Jesus. We'd celebrate all that He's doing. And we'd invite other people to follow. Sundays is the crescendo when we come together and we celebrate and we worship and we gather and our light gets brighter. The brightness of our light draws people to Jesus. Apathetic worship doesn't draw anyone to Jesus. And I... I don't want to leave guilt trips on people, man. But like, like, think about it. You've got a new person come along to a gathering and they come and they're, what is this that you're in? And we, and, we, and we walk in 10, 15 minutes late and we don't really get into it. And it's like, what does it say about who we say Jesus is? Like, what does that say? about our Saviour and how much He matters to us. Are we loving one another in a way that shines the light of Christ to the world around us? I know that's, it's like, (laughs) it's hard, eh? But I I, want to encourage you, I want to implore you. This is a place where we can go on a journey together to discover that. You know, I'm not trying to lay guilt on people. This is about, come on, we want people to get in a journey with Jesus again. Discover the love He has for you. To get excited again, as as Pastor Beck said, to throw wood on the fire of your life again. Stir your heart again. Reignite the passion again. Commit to Sundays. Commit to being early. Commit to a relationship when you get here. I'm going to make someone's day brighter. Commit to worship. Push for the front row seat. Push for the front row seat. This. How would it encourage the worship team if this was full of people worshiping? Would that be loving one? Would that be loving the worship team? Loving one another. We might not have all the perfection and sound and the production, but who cares? Jesus is in the house. He's worthy of my worship. I'm coming, I'm bringing it. And maybe just maybe I'm going to spark that person beside me and that person beside me and they're going to get worshipping too, but I'm going to come and make a difference. Love one another. Be generous. Like honestly, churches have bills. Wouldn't it be nice if we're actually, we've just got too much resource. God, what can we do with it? I remember when they're building the temple the first time, and, uh, or whatever they're building, I think it was the temple, that people just keep bringing stuff. I think it was the tabernacle in the desert. People were bringing stuff to, and no, it was actually the temple. And David said, stop, I've got enough. You guys have been too generous. Stop it. 
They just wanted to give to the house of God to make it glorious for other people to see. Our God's gonna be risen up above every other God. Every other nation has their God, but our God's gonna be glorious. The God is gonna be seen. And I'm gonna give to that. You know, it's like, let's be generous people because it's loving. loving commit to Sundays and we're going to be relaunching a small group model it's going to be changing currently we've been doing collectives it's going to change but we still believe in a small group model where we can build family and grow together in the coming weeks we're going to launch that commit to a small group whatever they're going to be called but commit to it. It doesn't matter what they're called, does it? I mean, you know, it's marketing, it's cool, it's whatever, it's savvy, but ultimately, man, it's about people gather, gathering together and doing life together and growing together. And serve on a team. Like get on a team. Even if it's once a month. Even this, why don't you decide to try out a team? You know what? Can I come and try out that team and see if it's for me? Yeah, see if it's for you. Come and try out a team because I'm telling you, when we start serving one another, we get connected. What's better, I'm telling you, the people that were here at 8.30 setting up got the better end of the deal than the people that turned up at 10.30. We got the better end of the deal. We were connected, hanging out in each other's world. We, we, got, the better, we got the better end of the deal. You're missing out. <laughs> hmm. Here are some teams. We've got our setup team. That's the muscles. Packs in, packs out. It's behind the scenes, establishing and creating a place for the atmosphere for God to, to, to hang out and infrastructure really and we've got our tech team our production team that do computers and technical stuff and make all this work people care if you're a person that likes to gravitate towards people and making them feel welcome you don't like people being on the outside you want to bring them in you've got that heart to connect people in man that's a great team to be on kids you know, we've got three people running a kid's ministry in our church. You try and work that out. You've got to be on there on a pretty regular. And they're not here right now, are they? They're down there ministering and loving to our kids. And a worship team. If you've got the gift of worship and having a measure of a skill and ability to sing or play an instrument, place to serve come on let's build a tribe together yeah let's live love and lead like Jesus